Well, we're glad that you're here with us. Uh, last week we were gone, but listened to the message online, heard Brother Jim's message. Come on, everybody. Give it up for Brother Jim preaching the word. Come on. We had a, uh, a friend that we had known for, uh, gosh, I'm 62, so he's about 63 or 64, and uh, he is transitioning the church that he's, he and his wife uh, pioneered 40 years ago and turned it over to his son. And so we were up there just celebrating with them uh, on Sunday morning at a banquet Sunday night. And so it's just cool to see that what God does, he just keeps doing. Come on, for the next generation. Come on, everybody. He just keeps building. It doesn't end with us. It just keeps going on. So it's kind of like, you know, the, the baton, the, the, the runners are still going around. You got to run your race and then pass it off to somebody else. Amen? Amen. Come on, pass it off better. Come on, somebody say better. Yeah, better. Uh, I, I've been marinating on something for the last several weeks, probably a couple months, about um, this title of message that we're going to be digging into for the next three weeks. Um, I, I hope that you stay with us, you know, in person, online as well. We're glad for everybody there. Um, but th this, these three words have just been kind of rolling around in me, like I said, for many weeks, maybe a couple months now, that I, I don't know why it has happened the way it has happened other than we are in this end of this thing called the church age that began in the book of Acts, that in the book of Acts, it started what the Bible calls last days. The Bible says in the last days, God's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. Well, that happened on Acts chapter 2, and we're still part of that. So really, we are still living in the book of Acts. Somebody said we're kind of like Acts 29 because there's 28 chapters in the book of Acts. And Mario and his Bible school, or excuse me, his Bible school, his, his small group's going to be studying the book of Acts over there. So uh, uh, we, we are living, really continuing the book of Acts. It never, you know, died off with the last apostle or disciple. We are now the disciples of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody say amen there. So, so we're, we're fulfilling the, the purpose of God, the will of God, the plan of God in the generation in which we live in right now. And yet there's, there's been an onslaught, there's been an attack that I don't think it takes anybody that, that you, you don't have to have a PhD at the end of your name to realize we are living in a time, in a season for me that I've never seen before, that there are lie after lie, there, there's falsehood, there's all kind of crazy stuff that you don't, you, you just go down to the street corner and you start hearing things and seeing things that you go, how can anybody believe that? And they are just simply lies. But, but you know, when, when we look at this and just the, the title of our message for the next three weeks, Believe No Lies, let me just kind of ask you some questions I'm asking myself and we're going to unpack for the next three weeks is that, is this possible? Can we be people? Can our kids be people? Our grandkids be people that believe no lies? Um, how, how can you tell if something is a lie or not? We've all been, you know, growing up, ever, you're all adults in the room, be it a young adult or an older adult, we've all been exposed to something that we didn't know it was a lie until after the fact. But is there something, is there a way that we can know and we can have a warning device, we can have a, a GPS, is there, is there something that we can detect when something really is a lie? 
Is, is there something that can really in our life siphon everything we see, everything we hear, everything we're exposed to that will siphon it off to say, this is true and, and, and this is a lie? Um, I, I, I believe there is. I believe there is. Um, just so you know where I'm coming from, and probably a lot of folks in the room, we're just Bible people. We, we believe the Bible. We, we believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We, that, that, that for me and for many in the room today and online as well, that is our center point. That is, a, that is the axis that every single thing from our life, uh, every, every wheel, every spoke from our life spins from. It's not what's going on around me. It's not what's going on because of my whiteness or my maleness or my education or my money. Everything goes around because this center point that the Bible is true, that Jesus is Lord, that God the Father, come on somebody, God the Father is real, the Holy Spirit is still filling people and still moving in the earth. And everything else around me has got to fit in that equation. And if it tells me something other than what the Word of God says, I've got, got, got to realize not to believe that lie. Come on, somebody. Let me go over to, to the book of Galatians. What we're going to do today is we're going to read uh, two scriptures in the book of Galatians. Then we'll talk about this one word that's really prevalent in our society today. And then really we're going to spend the majority of our time today in 1 John chapter 4. Because what John was dealing with, the, this, this beloved apostle, he was dealing with this same thing you know, a couple thousand years ago. So, so the, the lies that we're exposed to, the, 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 the force and the sway of the world right now isn't anything new. It just is really intensifying. And, 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 and it's something we've got to be aware of. It's kind of like when bad weather comes in and ever how it happens, the storms and the tide, the lifeguards will go out here on the coast that we know of and, and they'll say, watch out, there's, there's, it's a riptide current out there. If you get out there in the wrong thing, it, it, it's always dangerous, but it's like super dangerous right now because it will suck you under and suck you out real fast. Listen, that is the time that we are living in. It's always been kind of dangerous out there. We know it. And this isn't stay huddled in the church and, and, and kumbaya till Jesus comes. No, we're going we're gonna to be in the world. We're not of the world. We can be salt. We can be light. We, we can do the will of God in, in the earth right now. But you got to be aware that this season that we're in is just different. And everything that was bad got accelerated in about the last three years. It, 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 it has gone off and gone deep really quick. The Apostle Paul writes to a church in Galatians chapter 1. There's six chapters there. I encourage you to read it. But he says something in the NIV. Then we'll read it in the New Living Translation because I don't want you to get these words. In Galatians chapter 1, Paul writes to these ch this church. And just so you know where he's coming from, these are believers who came out of Judaism and yet there's people who were in Judaism or the Jewish faith who were trying to get them to come back under the law. They didn't want them to go under the grace of God, to believe fully in Jesus Christ. They wanted them to come back under the Old Testament, sacrificing animals and all the rituals. Paul comes to them and he says this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. 
Can I stop right there? Something that has alarmed me as a pastor, and I would imagine for many of you as believers, those who have professed their faith in Jesus Christ in the last several years have just simply deserted the one. They have turned their back. They have be, they, their faith has been, here's a word, deconstructed. They're questioning the Bible. They're questioning the authenticity of Jesus. They're questioning if, if what they've been taught was true and is true. And they are leaving and going a different way. Now listen to me. I believe everything we do here must be questioned, but questioned based on the authority of the word of God. We need to do that. The, the scripture tells us that, that the Bereans were, were more noble because they, everything they heard, they siphoned it through what the word of God always said. So that is something we must always do. But Paul says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning into or to a different gospel. Look at verse 7, which is really no gospel at all. This different gospel is no different. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion. This is what's happened to our young people. They've been thrown into confusion, and adults as well, and are trying to pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're twisting it. They're trying to make it say something it doesn't say, to, to placate and try, 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 to, try to cause what they're dealing with to, for them to be okay with it. New Living Translation, same scripture, different translation. I'm shocked that you're turning away. So soon from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ, you are following a different way that pretends to be the good news. But it is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Deliberately twist the truth. So there is a lie that's out there about who you are, who God is, how you fit in the world, what his purpose and plan for your life is, about salvation, about heaven, about hell, about what's going on around us, about what God thinks, what God values, and, and, and it's being twisted, and it's being perverted, and it sounds good, but it isn't good. It is a way, it's just not the way. It has an end, and that end is not good. Man cannot be the center of a life serving God. God has to be the center of your life if you're going to serve God. Can I get an amen in the room today? A scripture that Jesus said, probably everybody in the room's heard it, whether you've been in church before or not. It's said not only in scriptural context, but it's said in the world as well. In John 14, 6, toward the end of Jesus' life, he says and makes this declaration. Come on, let's read it out loud. One, two, three, read. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, that scripture right there is stamped in the word of God. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away but my words will never pass away. This was true 2,000 years ago. This has always been true. This will never not be true. There is no way to the Father except through Jesus Christ the Son. Jesus Christ gives and sets the declaration. He stamps it for all eternity. 
I am the way. Can I say it this way? I am the only way. I am the truth. Listen to me. The only truth. Come on. Come on. I am the way, the truth, and I am the life. There is no life to the Father, with the Father, apart from life with me. This is fact. This is where my facts come from. This is where my life turns and revolves around. And any Christ follower, this has to be true to you. So anything you hear has to be filtered through what does the Word of God say about it. If the Word of God says in Scripture, if the Scriptures are true, if they are, if Jesus said, I am the truth, and you believe that, then I'm at, I'm at a, you know, what is it, a conundrum. I, I, I'm, at a, I'm at a place I've got to decide whether I believe that to be true, whatever the world is saying, whatever the politicians are saying, whatever the economy is saying, whatever my body's saying, whatever my feelings are saying, whatever my emotions are telling me, or do I believe the truth of what God said I am, what the word of God says I am, what my future is, what God tells me about me right now. I'm at a place I've got to decide. And whatever you decide will determine the way you go. Will determine what you have. Peace, joy, salvation, rest, provision, deliverance, safety, protection, based on the choices you and I make. My plea, my prayer for you, and me as well, is that we would believe no lies. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. It's interesting, this word truth, look on the screen real quick. The word truth actually means this. Truth means that which is true in any matter under consideration. When Jesus says, I'm the truth, what he is saying, no matter what you consider, no matter how you consider it, no matter where you're at in your life, no matter what you're up against, I am the truth. What I've said in my word is true. It'll always be true. It'll be that way today. It'll be that way 50 years from now. No matter how you consider it, no matter if you look at what you're dealing with personally, I am still the truth. My word is still the truth. You and I have to come to this realization. The truth in who God is and what he said in the scripture endures for all generations. It's not just it was good for your grandparents because they kind of needed it and we don't need it now. No, no, the, the truth and the person who is the truth is exactly what you need right now. It'll always be that way. It'll never not be that way. He is the truth. Truth means that which is true in any matter that you consider. Whatever you consider Put God and his word at the center of whatever you are considering. Ask God, what do you say about this? What do you say about my sexuality? What do you say about my future? What do you say about my past? What do you say about this thing that I'm hearing in my head? What do you say about what the economy is saying? What do you say about what the government's saying? What do you say about whatever it is? It has to filter and siphon through the truth. Otherwise... I will be open to believing a lie. And lies can never produce the result you really want. There uh, is a scripture also that, of course, Jesus says I'm the truth. 
And I've already said it, but I know, I, I think we all, many of us in the room at least believe this, from Psalm 119, that actually has this one phrase, and it says, all your commandments are truth. So, so not only does Jesus come on the scene in John 14 and tells his disciples, as he says, you know, I'm going to go away and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And, and Thomas says, man, what, Jesus, what you talking about? Where are you going to go away and prepare a place for us? We don't even know where you're going. And he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. He is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. But not only he is, the scripture tells us that his words are too. What the scripture says about you, what the scripture says about what's going on in this world right now, it is true. So I am at, again, a turning point. I'm at a, at a challenging point. I'm at a, a, a fork in the road, we could say, whether no matter what I see, what I feel, what I hear, what I'm experiencing, what I'm thinking, what I'm reasoning, it's got to be filtered through the truth of who Jesus is and the truth of what the word is. Every thought, every feeling, every emotion has to come filtered through the word of God and who Jesus says he is. There's a word, if you haven't heard it, let me give it to you. I think you probably have. That's, that's um, been around for a while, but, but it's got its second breath in the last several years, and it's the word relativism. And relativism is an interesting word. Let me give you a definition here. The word relativism means this. The doctrine that knowledge, truth, and morality exists in relation to culture, society, or historical context, and they are not absolute. In other words, relativism says it was good then, it's different now. It worked then, it doesn't work now. Relativism says it's always a moving target. It says that morality exists in relation to what is it, what's happening in culture. But back 150 years ago, the morality then was just different. We don't do that now because we've grown. We, we, we've experienced things. We, 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 we've, we've been, uh, that, that established thought, that, 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 that hold, that kind of, um, that, that constricting thought regarding whatever, it's different now. So now morality changes. Now culture changes. Now society changes. And the historical context of it is completely different and that nothing is absolute anymore. It's not absolute. Can I tell you? That's a lie. Relativism is a lie. It doesn't mean there were no airplanes 150 years ago and there are airplanes now. And so we've got to figure out how we do in airplanes. And so. No, no, no. That's not what it means. But it means there's got to be this moral absolute and this truth that pervades every single generation, every single people group every single ethnicity, regardless of the decade that a person is living in. It's got to be truth for all, or else it's not true. Relativism says it just simply, continually changes. Uh, let, let, me, let me give you a hot, uh, hot you know, you know, topic, button topic, if I could say it that way in our generation just came up again the last several years with Supreme Court justices being voted in and, and other things going on in states right now. Let's just talk about this one thing for a few seconds, abortion. The world says 
uh, abortion's acceptable now. The world says it's moral now. The world says it's really a form of birth control now. The world says it really has no lasting effect on a woman. Hmm. God says abortion is unacceptable. God says abortion is immoral. God says abortion is sinful. God says abortion, or we could say it this way, not abortion, but God says life begins at conception. That's absolute. But relativism says that was good then. It's different now. Women's rights were constricted and, and men were trying to dominate them. And, and so now it's different. Can I tell you? Not just with abortion, but since that's such a hot you know, button topic right now, we can look at it and we can say the absolute truth of God and his word never changes regardless where I live on this world, no matter what generation I live in, his word says what it means and it means what it says. So in other words, relativism is this constant moving target that's based on the individual and not based on what is true. What is true? I'm challenging you and I to believe the truth. Can I say it this way? Absolute truth is timeless truth. It'll be good for you and it'll be good for your grandkids as well. Two scriptures, the first scripture in Genesis chapter 1, and I'll read the second scripture in John chapter 1, are, are, are brother and sister scriptures. In John, excuse me, in Genesis 1.1, you're in my Bible, starts out this way. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. For you to have the truth of the word of God and the truth of who Jesus is stamped in your life this has got to be not only the book of Genesis, but the Genesis, the beginning moment in everything that you consider. In the beginning, God. God wasn't created. God always was. He was in the beginning before the beginning was beginning. Can I say it that way? He's immortal. He's invisible. He's the only wise God. He, he was before all time. God the Father in three. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three perfect in one. Can somebody say amen? amen. John finishes this thought in John 1.1. 1, 1. He says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. In the beginning, God. In the beginning was the word. The word meaning Jesus here, what John is saying, he was in the beginning. He always was. Jesus, we'll talk about in a couple of weeks, wasn't a created being. He always was. We, we, we need to come to this realization for the truth of God in the word of God and the word of God to be stamped in our soul that God has always been, that God will always be, that Jesus is the word made flesh. So what he did, how he lived, what he spoke, what happened after he died and was resurrected, not only resurrected, listen to me, but he ascended to the right hand of the father. There are other men in the Bible that were resurrected. We can see that. 
They were resurrected. Uh, Jairus's daughter was resurrected. She was dead. She was resurrected. But, but listen, they didn't ascend to the right hand of the Father. They weren't sinless. They weren't, come on, they weren't pure. They weren't righteous. Their blood wasn't holy. But Jesus Christ was. He was and he is the truth. The word and Jesus are the same. Come on, the word was made flesh. God Almighty was the creator and is the creator of the universe. He was in the beginning. Let the wheel of your life, let the spokes of your life have the center of the word of God and who God is and let him fill your universe with the truth of that. Can somebody say amen? amen. Three golf claps. Uh, that's okay. I felt inspired. I felt inspired. Thanks, Kende. Let's do this for the next you know, few minutes, the last few moments that we have together. Let's look at 1 John. And by the way, I'll tell you this before we get to it. I'll tell you in the end, the next you know, 15 minutes before we wind up. Here's your homework assignment. Come on, somebody. We got homework up here in church. I want you to read this week 1 John chapter 1 through 5. Read 1 John. It's five chapters. Read a chapter a day. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to read it all week. If you can read five chapters every single day, God bless you. We'll give you a star next Sunday and a free coffee. But just, just no, we won't. But well, maybe we will. But, but uh, uh, just, just read the Bible. Come on, somebody. Read, come on, look at your neighbor and say, read the Bible. Come on, read the Bible. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. John is dealing with some stuff that we're dealing with. Again, it's nothing new. It's the same stuff that's been around since Satan got kicked out of heaven. But he's dealing with some stuff that are pertinent to what you and I are dealing with. So let's drill down today so that we don't believe any lies. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. John's writing, he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. There are false prophets everywhere. Listen to me. They're in schools. They're on social media. They're in government. They're on YouTube. They're in movies. And if you're the person that says, but it was on the internet. Come on, how many remember those days when we thought that when it was on the internet that it was God? Come on, somebody. Anybody like me? Back in the beginning, we're like, well, they said that, but anybody now has a voice. And anybody can say whatever they want to say. And listen to me. Just because you like whatever they like doesn't mean you need to listen to whatever they're peddling. False prophets are everywhere. John says here, he says, you better not believe every spirit, the spirit that's speaking through them, but, but you have the ability, church, Christian, to test the spirit, whether they are of God. Because there are just many false prophets. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. And listen, you cannot believe every single thing that's spoken. And, and you better not believe every single thing that's spoken. So John says this, test the spirits. Come on, look at somebody and say, test the spirit. Tell them, test the spirits. So what am I saying when I say test the spirits? Is that everything you hear has to be put through the test of the word of God. It's got, to, it's got to filter through the test of the word of God. What does God say about this? What does God say about this? 
So let's just, again, take a step back. If the filter, if, what I, if the test is, I've got to put it through what the Word of God says, then I've got to know what the Word of God says. I've got to spend time every day reading what God says. I've got to, you've got to have a filtration system that can hear something and filter it through something that is true, that is inerrant, that is eternal, called the Word of God. Years ago, uh, when we were in Canada, um, I don't know why we did it there, but it was just amazing. We, we, um, we had a, a 55-gallon saltwater fish tank. We had, uh, you know, we had, there was a, a town about 20 miles away, and they had freshwater fish and saltwater fish. And if you all know, which you probably do, uh, the difference, or well, one of the main differences between a freshwater tank and a saltwater tank is just the saltwater fish are just gorgeous. You know, they're just beautiful. You know, you have all these different, if you go some restaurants around town and they've got a saltwater tank, I don't know, we're just mesmerized. We, we like that stuff. It's gorgeous. And so we, over the course of the years, we, we got this tank set up. We started saving up some money and we got what they call live rock. They actually bring live rock or live corals from Fiji. And so there's a whole system. You set it up. It takes a long time, takes weeks. The, you get water and then you got to put the stuff in it. Everything needs to go in it. That's got to hang out and make sure it's good. And then, the, then the, you start adding some stuff slowly to it because it's a process that you don't want to jack up the water that you have. Well, one of the things we found out that we definitely needed was we had to have a filtration system because this filtration system was necessary because anything you put in the tank would die if things weren't filtered. So as we added corals to, the fish, to, to this fish tank, we added fish to the fish tank, what happens is that the, 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 the fish and the corals produce ammonia. And that ammonia becomes toxic and can kill every single thing in the fish tank. And so the filtration system turns the ammonia to nitrite and it allows everything in the tank to live and survive. And I can tell you from experience, because the brother didn't have it all going on, that we would buy a fish, a little teeny fish for 40 bucks, and the brother lasted about four days. And so Kimberly got mad because that's shoe money for her right there. Come on, that's shoe money. So she's like, come on, man, find, find Nemo. Come on, we got to get Nemo died on us. <laughs> so the filtration system was so that everything in the life of that tank could live. If you do not have a filtration system in your life, your life has the possibility to die to be less than what you want it to be because you believed a lie. The truth of the word of God hasn't been your true north. I could say it this way with the fish tank as well, is that an unfiltered life really is a toxic life. There was toxicness in that fish tank. I mean, have you ever seen, like even in, in the movie, uh, one of the Finding Nemo movies or whatever it was, and, and, and they, they were actually in the fish tank in the dentist's office. Y'all, come on, parents, y'all remember that? And, and, and how, how, how all of a sudden, whatever, that little animal, they started, you know, uh, they, they started wasting, and all of a sudden, everything on the sides of the fish tank, you know, got, got the scum on it. 
That's exactly like a fish tank. That's exactly what, ha- that's exactly what happens, is that, is that if there's no filtration system, if there's not a continual cleaning of your life through the truth of the Word of God, it will breed toxicity. It'll breed error. It'll breed confusion, and things in your life will slowly start dying. Why don't I have joy anymore? Why don't I have peace anymore? How come, how come I'm so anxious and fretful? How come when I'm hearing stuff right now about, uh, about housing prices going down or interest rates going up or inflation, how come I'm so worried and so, how come I'm so fretful? Because somehow, maybe, if you let me open up your heart for a moment, somehow, maybe, you've opened up your life to a lie doesn't mean the inflation's not real. It doesn't mean there's lack of peace out there. It doesn't mean all kinds of things could invade your space, but you're listening to that more than the truth of the Word of God. And if you will come back to the Word of God, He'll start cleaning up your life. Come on, the filtration system will start working. All of a sudden, your husband will look at you and say, man, babe, you got a whole lot more peace than you did in three weeks ago. Why? Because you've just decided to come back to the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God. That Come on, if God's for me, who can be against me? God put me in the earth right now in crazy San Diego. Come on, but he's going to make a way for me. Can somebody say amen and amen? 1 John 4, 4. We're doing good? Come on, just a couple more verses. 1 John 4, 4. You're a God, little children. He says, and you've overcome them. You've overcome that spirit in the world because he who is in you, come on, yell it out, is greater than he who's in the world. You've overcome them. You've overcome that spirit. You, you, you've overcome them. John is saying that there's this thing going on in the world. He, he, you'll read it if you read it this week. It's called this antichrist spirit. This spirit that's against Christ, against the anointed one. Christ means the anointed one. Against the power of God, against the plan of God, against the will of God, against the word of God. And and John's reminding his readers, and I'm reminding you, you got a greater one on the inside of you. Come on, you got the King of kings and the Lord of lords living on the inside of you. You've got the God who's all wise, the God who, come on, who never sleeps. He's, He's always working for you. Come on, the blood of Jesus is always, listen, the blood of Jesus is always cleansing you from every evil work. Come on. Always forgiven, always merciful, always gracious. That's always at work in your life if you'll just keep your filtration system hooked up to the truth and hooked up to the word of God. John says, don't believe the lies they're peddling. This anti-Christ spirit is alive and it's well. So look what he says in verse 5 and 6. Check it out. He says, they're of the world. So he tells you now, I'm going to make a difference, John says, between you and they. Check it out. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world. The world hears them. Verse 6, we are of God. He who knows God hears us. It's interesting, if, if, if you know somebody's a believer, it's almost like they, they're talking on your same wavelength. He says, he who knows God hears us. He who is not a God doesn't hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. There is a spirit of truth. And there is a spirit of error. That's what John says. Do you know that? He makes a distinction between they and you. You're of God, he says. They're of the world. You're of God. They're of the world. You have the truth. You send your life around the truth. They've centered their life around 
the lie. They've centered their life around self. They've centered their life around an anti-Christ and against God spirit. Where man is the center. Where money is the center. Where sex is the center. Where worth is the center. You're different. John says, there's a difference between you and they. You're in the world. You're not of the world. He says three things. They speak of the world. You speak like God. There's got to be a change and a difference in what you and I speak. We don't speak like the world speaks. He says this, number two. They listen as of the world. You listen to God. So I'm not going to have all my internet stuff open and listen to everything on social media, on the news channels, on every other media feed because it's feeding my ears to listen to something that might not be true. It'll feed worry. It'll feed my flesh. It'll feed immorality maybe. It'll feed lust or greed for more. So I've got to lessen that. They listen to the world. You listen to God. And then he said, they believe as of the world. They believe like the world. These with this antichrist spirit, you believe God. So John is telling his readers, and I'm telling you as a reminder this morning, to combat the lies in your and my life, to combat the lies, you're believing, you're listening, and your speaking must change. If you are believing something that is not true, it will affect your life. If you are listening to something not true, it will affect your life. If you are then speaking something continually not true, it will affect your life. It'll affect your mind. It'll affect your direction. For Christmas, I asked for a present from uh, the kids and I, I got it. One of the things I wanted, because I didn't have any, uh, was um, uh, my son Michael works at Best Buy. He's a manager, and he told me about it. I said, I want those. I got some Sony noise-canceling headphones. They are like Jesus is Lord, let me tell you. You put those bad boys on. Listen, the grandkids come over, and I go, and I go, I can't, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. When you have any kind of, I have a teaching on, I have any music on, literally everything else is just off. When we travel, even this past week when we are on the airplane, you know, the noise on an airplane, I put the noise-canceling headphones on. You're like, this is amazing. <laughs> this is exactly what we need to do in our life. Every day, I'm encouraging you to put on noise-canceling headphones. Amen. Put on the headphones that only say and speak what God says, what his word says. John says here to the readers that you can know the difference between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You can know the difference, but you can't know the difference if you're listening and you're believing and your speaking hasn't changed. 
that's got to change. I've got to believe different, and I can. I can believe what God says. I, 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 I can think different. I can listen different. I, I, I can speak different because my foundation is in the absolute truth of the Word of God. And the direction that He has for my life will completely change because it is true. Can I get an amen? amen. Let me finish with these two scriptures. Because John wraps it all up right here, and he just puts the bow around it for us this morning in verse 26 and 27. He says, these things I've written to you concerning those who, again, try to deceive you. They're trying to deceive you. So, so you need to know that, that this is what's going on from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed. There is a deceptive spirit that's trying to get you to believe something that's just not true. Then he tells us in verse 27, but the anointing, come on, somebody yell the anointing. The anointing, look at this, which you have received, not going to receive, which you have, past tense, received from him, from Jesus, abides in you, dwells in you, remains in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. Listen to me. He's not talking about don't come to church, don't have a pastor, don't read a good book, don't listen to a good podcast. That's not what he's talking about. But he says, I've got something for your life that you don't need from any other source. I've got someone who's going to abide in you called the Holy Spirit. Can somebody say amen? amen? This anointing, which you have, you receive from him. It abides in you. You don't need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things. Stop right there. Not just spiritual things. This person on the inside of you called the spirit of truth will teach me concerning my marriage. Will teach me and talk to me about what to do with money. Will talk to me about my kids. Will talk to me uh, more than just what John 4, 8 says. Thank God for that. But this person on the inside of me and you, that is the spirit of truth. That is not a deceiver that has no agenda besides God's love for you and bringing you into perfect wholeness with him and to continually giving you the truth and speaking true in your life so that you fulfill the purpose and the plan of Almighty God. No other agenda, not control, not manipulation, not domination, no. Free, grace-filled, loving, kind, generous, benevolent, great God. He says this anointing is going to teach you concerning all things. And it is true. And it is not a lie. So listen to me. You can believe this. You can believe the Word of God. You can believe it. God, are you really for me? Yes. God, do you want to heal me? Yes. God, do you want me to have a fruitful life? Yes. God, do you want me to know you personally? Yes. God, do you want my kids to follow you? Yes. It's not a lie. And John says, just as it has taught you, you now, you now abide in him. You now remain in him. Listen to me. You now be settled down in him. Don't be disturbed by what's going on all around you. Don't be frustrated. Because John says, church, this spirit's out there. The deceiver's out there. The, the worrier, the worry someone is out there. The sin-filled one called Satan, he's out there in his cohorts. They're going to try to speak to you. They're going to try to get you to listen to them. 
They're going to try to alter your situation so you'll believe a lie. But I've given you a remedy. John says, God is true. God is true. And he says, the word of God is true. And it will always be. It's absolute truth. It's true for every generation. No matter how you're feeling today on the mountain or in the valley, the word of God's still true. No matter how much money's in your bank, millions or pennies, the word of God's still true. No matter your history, what happened yesterday, the good, the bad, the ugly, the word of God's still true. And if God be for me, who can be against me? Come on, somebody say amen. amen. So we are going to be under the authority of the spirit of truth or the spirit of error. We're going to be under the authority of the Christ or the Antichrist. We're going to be under the authority of whatever they say or whatever the Word of God in you say. My prayer for you this morning is that we would believe no lie. Everything filtered through the anointed one in the inside of us, Jesus, everything filtered through the written word of God that what he said is true. Now, how do I stay there? How do I get that? How do I, how do I, how do I begin? You're going to read 1 John 1 through 5 this week, all week. Read it. And you're going to start abiding in him. What's going to happen? As you abide in him, your believing's going to change. Your thinking's going to start changing. Your listening is going to start changing. Your speaking is going to start changing. I'm going to start abiding and dwelling and remaining. And as I do that, all of a sudden, I don't hear so much noise and confusion and unrest and uncertainty and fear and confusion because I'm abiding in Him. And we can do this. Come on, to the glory of God. Amen, everybody. Come on, bow your head, close your eyes. Father God, that's our prayer this morning that we become people who just abide and we remain. Father, we pray this morning that we're the people that believe no lies. Father, I pray that we will siphon everything in our life through the authority of your word of God and your will. Father, help every one of us in the room and online today do that, we pray. We're, we're, we're people of God. We've surrendered our life to you. And, and we can overcome every evil force and wickedness in the world because we've got a greater one on the inside of us. We've got the Spirit of God on the inside of us. We don't have to be afraid of an anti-Christ spirit. We don't have to be worried about who's in charge of a mayor, a governor, a, uh, a president, or a senator. Father God, our faith and our trust and our confidence is in you. It's completely in you. We're going to believe your word. We're not going to believe a lie. Settle us, oh God. Ground us as the people of God in you. In this time, in this season, we pray. Come on, all of the room with your head bowed, your eyes closed. 
we always conclude a service this way. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but today you say, man, when I came in the room, when I was listening to worship, I heard the word, man, I just know that I need Jesus. I know that my life is not right with him. Maybe you prayed a prayer as a child. Maybe you got sprinkled or you got dipped as a child. Maybe you were baptized. Maybe you got a cross around your neck. Maybe you even have a Bible at your house, but you just go, you know what? man, I got that stuff where I've been down that road, but I'm not there now. But something's going on in your heart right now today. Where the, the lies are being siphoned off and you might just say, honestly, I believe stuff that's just not true. I've been involved in things that just are false and I, I, I want to make a change today. I want to I make a fresh start today. I want something new as we prayed earlier in the service, something fresh from God today. And listen to me, it can be yours. It starts as simply with a prayer but it's not just speaking some type of script it's a heart that's turned a heart that's broken a heart that's turned and changed towards God he's never going to cast out that kind of person he'll come run into your life today that's what's going on in the room and maybe online so what we do in the room today what we do every Sunday we gather is we don't have you come to the front. We don't even have you stand up. Just right there where you're at when I invite you to make this prayer. You just simply raise your hand and say, Pastor Gary, that's me. Include me in that prayer. And then we're all going to pray a prayer out loud. And there's going to be a spiritual transaction that happens just as real as when you use your debit card and money leaves your card and goes and pays that bill instantly. There's going to happen. Something happens instantly in the realm of the spirit where you're made a brand new person in Christ. If you want that this morning, if God's speaking to your heart this morning, if you've opened up your life just in honesty, you say, I've opened my life to lies about who I am, maybe about the purpose that God's for my, God has for my life, or I've been running from God. I've been like a Jonah. I knew what God said, but I've run from God. I've run from God. Well, God's captured you today. You're here today. Make a change today. Make the prayer today. Let a beginning happen for you today. All over the room. When I count to three, you want to be included in that prayer, just raise your hand. Come on. One, two, three. Come on, lift a hand and say, pray for me. All over the room. All over the room. Awesome. 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 Thanks for your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Come on, let's say this prayer out loud. You that raise your hand, what I'm asking you to do is mix faith with it today. Mixed faith, that means I, I believe what I'm praying. I'm praying not just from my head, I'm praying from my heart, the center of my being. Come on, church, let's pray it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you right now in Jesus' name. I recognize my need. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. So I believe in my heart and I say with my mouth, God raised Jesus from the dead. Be my Lord. Be my Savior forever and ever. I repent. I change my mind. And I change my direction. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, everybody. Let's stand up. That's what we do. We clap real big. Come on. We just clap and say, thank God that you got born again. Come on, that you gave your heart to Jesus Christ. Come on, church. Angels are shouting. Heaven's rejoicing. Come on. People are turning.